This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 6, Episode 1. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, and brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. Today is Wednesday, April 7th, 2022, as of the recording of this episode, and I'm your host, Riley Bowman, and today I'm also joined by, did I say Wednesday? Thursday, April 7th, (laughs) 2022. That's what happens when we intend on recording on Wednesday and things get in the way of doing that, and uh, here it is Thursday. (laughs) Got the date right, got the day of the week wrong. Glad to be here with Matthew Marister, our producer. Yes, sir. We, we can actually blame him for uh, not correcting the outline. I was I was typing that in as you were trying to get it in before. Because <laughs> like, I, I was reading the script and I, I read <laughs> Wednesday and you're like, oh, snap. <laughs> That's me, Mr. Producer. <laughs> hey, guys, we're glad to be with you. This is the first episode of season six and coincidentally also being the first episode of the month is our Justified Saves episode, which is our term for defensive gun uses or DGUs. In this episode today, we've got a collection of great stories with many lessons to be learned and shared uh, from across the country of lawful citizen use of deadly force. Well, sometimes we've, we share some stories are not lawful as a means of learning from them, but uh, most of the stories we, we end up sharing are, are the good ones. Uh, we do have some well, I don't know that we have any, like, what nots to do today in terms of overall. St- I mean, there, there's sometimes lessons that can be learned, into, you know, within some of these incidents that might be like, hey, maybe don't do that kind of thing. But uh, we don't have any what not to do stories today. Do have one of the tragic outcome. It was really sad to, to read about. Um, and I don't necessarily get enjoyment out of sharing those kinds of things but it's important we share them it's important we talk about them it's important that we as self-defenders as concealed carriers as gun owners uh as self-defense practitioners that we think about these things that we consider these things that we have the right attitudes the right minds or mindset and uh, we make the best decisions we can Um, a lot of times it's helpful to understand and make those decisions ahead of time where possible, at least to know, you know, to be prepped of what to do if we find ourselves in similar situations. Today's episode is sponsored and brought to you by CCW Safe. <clears throat> they are our preferred provider of self-defense legal coverage. We encourage you to check them out at ccwsafe.com. Uh, they are actually one of our sponsors each time we do Justified Save episodes uh, because it dovetails so nicely. If you are, if you happen to ever be in the situation of like some of these individuals that we will talk about here today, and I hope that doesn't happen to you, just like I hope that you don't get in car accidents or or other situations, you know, accidents uh, where your where your life and health and happiness is in jeopardy. Uh, like a friend of mine was talking this last week about having to do some work on his roof and he was worried about falling off. Well, hopefully we have health insurance to help out in situations like that. Hopefully we have vehicle insurance to take care of the vehicle accidents and things like that. Why not have something that covers you in the event you need to use deadly force in defense of life? 
CCW Safe is the answer. I think they are the. They, I think they have the best coverage, uh, but they more more importantly, they are the best people I know in this industry that is in this line of work. Uh, they stand behind their product. They stand behind their people. Uh, they they're the only company I'm aware of still to this time that has successfully gone through an entire murder uh, first degree murder trial and successfully backed their client and won that trial and that if that was a justified situation that just happened to swing the wrong way for that for that person uh, if you want to learn about that actually you can learn about the Stephen Maddox trial on CCW Safe's website it's a pretty interesting read they have a bunch of have a whole series of articles talking about everything to do with that that incident and about that trial so go to ccwsafe.com today consider signing up please uh, also podcast listeners can save extra by using the discount code cc podcast at checkout to save on your ccw safe membership and our guardian nation members save even more so please go to ccw ccwsafe.com today now our other sponsor today is Mountain City Supply, uh, makers of fine ammunition here in our state, our home state for this, for concealedcarry.com, not Matthew's state. <laughs> He's somewhere else entirely. But see, Mountain City Supply is located locally to us, uh, making fine ammunition. Uh, and, and the cool thing is, is most of their stuff is in stock a lot of times. They're constantly churning it out, uh, selling, selling it typically as it's made. Uh, and I'll tell you, the people there, also top-notch people that truly care about making a quality product and also listening to customers. I actually just got off the phone with the owner, Chris, uh, right before we started this this episode, Matthew, in fact. He called me as we, I was doing episode prep and uh, had some questions, some something that you know he wanted to ask me about, get my feedback on. That's how much they care about making a quality product. Go to mountaincitysupply.com uh, and buy some ammo today like i said they've got i just checked a little bit ago they've got nine millimeter in they've got 45 they got 380 they got some 38 special and 357 magnum which is hard to come by in today's market they have some rifle calibers as well they actually just uh sold sold the other day some 300 blackout i know they're trying to make more of that it may or may not be in stock today i'm not sure uh 223 or 556 they've got as well so go check them out mountaincitysupply.com all right. We appreciate your support of them. Guardian Nation members, by the way, get a discount off of ammo on their site. For all the rest of you, well, that's reason enough to join Guardian Nation. All right. Thanks for our sponsors today. Let's get into our first story. Matthew, tell us about this. Philadelphia customer turns tables on suspected armed robber, shoots him with his own gun. And in fact, this story has an interesting line in it. And it's kind of where the title of today's episode came from. He pulled a Bruce Lee move. I'm really intrigued by that. Tell us more. <laughs> All right. So unsurprisingly, this happened in Philadelphia. Um, apparently at one in the morning, um, just a cautionary tale not to go to a um, marijuana dispensary at one in the morning. But a couple guys go into a marijuana dispensary around one in the morning. Uh, they start to use the ATM machine inside to get some cash, presumably to buy um, something inside the store. And uh, a guy comes in and 
tries to rob them um, of their money that they're getting out of the out of the ATM, the cash. Um, from what the news report from Fox News says, um, one of the men at the ATM, a 45 year old, pulled a Bruce Lee move in quotations on the suspect and managed to get his gun and shoot the suspect. During the incident, the 45-year-old accidentally shot his 36-year-old friend in the shoulder. Okay, that wasn't part of the Bruce Lee movie. That was an accident, apparently. Um, and so the guy gets shot. He flees, gets in a car. Um, police find him blocks away. He's dead in the vehicle. Um, and the shooter and his, the, the Bruce Lee guy and the guy who got shot in the shoulder, uh, they're also gone. Um, they got presumably in a car and went to the hospital, um, to treat their buddy for the, the, the shoulder injury. Police end up tracking them down and they're supposedly cooperating with the police. It doesn't look like, uh, charges are going to be filed. It seems like a pretty cut and dry, uh, act of self-defense here. Um, but yeah, it, it, uh, it, obviously this ended well, right. For the, for the, for half of the, the, (laughs) the robbed couple victims. Um, but I, what jumped out at me is, you know, I kind of led with that is, Probably at one in the morning, um, don't really want to be going around to um, the marijuana dispensaries if you can avoid it, right? So, um, yeah, that that was kind of my takeaway other than the fact that, you know, we, we don't have a lot of detail as far as what the Bruce Lee move was, but it was pretty cool that he was able to uh, to disarm the the assailant or the attacker and uh, and use the gun against him instead of being uh, well, and his buddy, but <laughs> we'll, we'll kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Riley? No, you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the old, uh, you know, uh, first thing here is don't go to stupid places at stupid times and do, <laughs> you know, stupid things and with stupid people or whatever. I don't know. But however the saying goes, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, going to a smoke shop at 1 a.m., probably not the best way to spend my time. Uh, yeah, so there's that. This whole Bruce Lee move thing is interesting, uh, and that's in quotes in the in the article. So that must have been a statement from one of these individuals involved. That's uh, so it's not common to see gun takeaways successfully done in a so-called Bruce Lee move fashion. Uh, And a lot of stuff we see out there on the internet, uh, including that guy from Detroit is not like, (laughs) it's not the way to go. Uh, A lot of times attempted gun takeaways, the way they're taught are not going to be successful. Uh, Where I see gun takeaways being successful is when our threat is within arm's reach and the individual is able to simply immediately react as part of the gun being drawn on them, you know, before the gun can really get up on them and the finger on trigger or that kind of thing. And they simply get a hold of the gun and get control of it. There's rarely anything flashy, fancy, uh, consistent, 
about gun takeaways other than you've got to gain control of it if that's going to be the play. Um, and even then, a lot of times they're not particularly, they don't go, you know, they're, they're ugly, brutal, nasty fights sometimes. And people win sometimes and people lose sometimes. Says that the individual, the 45-year-old man that uh, disarmed the suspect and was able to shoot the suspect, said he accidentally shot his 36-year-old friend in the shoulder. Um, just the way this is written and the way I know these things go, it's entirely possible that that actually occurred as part of the gun takeaway, as part of maybe fighting over the gun. Who knows how directly liable the 45-year-old man actually was for the shot that struck his friend, but it is possible too, and that's a that's an important thing to understand and realize that we're in a real-world 360-degree environment there may be people with us we care about that we don't want to get hurt. And, you know, it's, it's very easy for us to uh, make a poor choice that way as far as uh, shooting a gun and accidentally striking somebody we don't want to hit. So that's, that's a real possibility that we need to understand. We need to be prepared for. We need to have good marksmanship, gun handling, shooting, decision-making skills to maximize our odds in this respect with while minimizing uh, potential harm to others that we don't want to harm. And the other interesting takeaway from the story, Matthew, is the fact that it mentions that the injuries to the suspect were in his groin and lower leg or legs, and he dies, dies from his injuries. And so it just goes to show that you don't have to get shot in the high center chest or in the head to die from gunshots or from any kind of wound. I'm aware of multiple examples and one in particular that's kind of ingrained in my mind, uh, as unfortunate as that is, an image of a of a knife fight. Not so much a fight, but, but a stabbing where an individual is stabbed once in the thigh severs his femoral artery and like he bleeds out, loses consciousness, hits the ground in seconds. Okay. So, you know, the whole, like, we'll just shoot him in the leg or just shoot him in the arm. Um, yeah, that, that approach is not one we can count on, uh, for a variety of reasons, ethical reasons, moral reasons, or tactical ones, uh, in terms of either affecting a stop or, nor can we count on it the other way being, you know, something that, that maybe discourages somebody from their attack, but preserves their life. You can shoot somebody once in the leg and, and they might die from it. So uh, anytime projectiles, stabbing objects, etc., enter someone's body, there's the potential for death. It just depends on, you know, what blood vessels, veins, arteries, organs, etc., are present. Uh, the suspect here jumped into a Toyota vehicle that was stolen. His Apparently, there was a getaway driver from the sound of it because it specifically said he got in the passenger seat and was driven away, but he he died two and a half blocks later. That's as far as he got. So, um, crazy stuff there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Not good. But Not don't good count on those Bruce, Bruce Lee moves. <laughs> uh, I consider those to definitely be last resort options for sure. When it's like, you know, something's going to go like, you know, that you're going to die here in the next second and you don't have any other option. Well, that's the time for for that last resort move, which is get your hands on the gun, get control of it, get control of 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 the of the suspect's arm. That's that's got that gun. You know, we want to get control of them 
uh, so we can affect that that takeaway. So some some of the takeaways that I've seen captured on camera appear to not be with full um, commitment. I think you know what I'm talking about, Matthew, where you see someone kind of make a move for something, but they don't fully commit. That's usually where it goes really badly. Just mm-hmm. a thought. Yep. Absolutely. Next story from, oh, by the way, that last one was on foxnews.com. This next one's from sbsun.com. Um, <clears throat> this comes out of San Bernardino, California area. Uh, this this is a tragic story that I referenced earlier in the intro of the show. Um, man an ex-girlfriend found dead after he broke into her San Bernardino home, police say. Uh, I remember coming across this story and uh, was just, you know, devastated when I read it. Uh, this this unfortunately involves a, a, a woman, I think is a mother of three children who were all in the home at the time. She had an ex-boyfriend. Obviously, things fell apart there. Uh, I suspect that there was some some domestic violence or something, you know, that that uh, had existed previously. Um, he broke into the home and the interesting thing here, and it does say that she had a temporary restraining order against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, Oh, there, there's the statement I, I remember reading and, and there was a history of domestic violence uh, with regards to him. He entered the home. She shot him in self-defense. Okay. Good for her. Unfortunately, it was not enough. He was able to overpower her and then grab the gun and shoot her. She was pronounced dead at the scene. So was he. So she shot him fatally. Let's keep that in mind. Um, that's that's important to realize here. So she, she did the right thing here. He was a physical threat to her. He illegally broke into the home. He's an intruder at that point. She shoots him. It's fatal, but there's enough fight in him to continue coming at her, to gain control over her, take her gun, and then kill her with it. This is like the age-old uh, argument the anti-gunners have, you know, used with respect to guns. You know, where they're like, "Oh, well, you know, you're just arming people, and they're just going to get the guns taken away from them, and 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 they'll get killed with their own guns." Uh, that you know, this is a fantasy that people actually can defend themselves successfully. Well, we know that's a we know that to be a lie, right? Because you guys hear all the stories here about all the successes that come and many domestic violence t- type related incidents. In fact, I think we've got at least one, if not two more. Yeah, we've got because that's that's right. Our last story today is is a is an ex boyfriend one as well. Okay, and there's another one that's yeah, sort of similar, although it's a little bit of a different circumstance and also a very tragic one, too. But so we know that to be a lie. We know that it is far more common from what we come across in the news. Because I mean, we we report this stuff as fairly as we can. We we specifically bring to this podcast stories like this one where things don't go well, right? And we bring to you also the, the successes, which far outnumber, at least in our evaluation and going through the stories. So the anti-gunners are wrong in that regard, in that respect. But this is the unfortunate uh, reality 
okay, this is a, a, a validation, at least, at least in the case of this incident of that argument. Well, the, you pretty little lady, you're just going to get that gun taken away and used against you. So um, I do have, I don't know how good of a source it, it is, but where I actually first came across this story was on social media and the individual that posted about it said they were familiar with her. And this individual is someone that, that trains, not, not her, but the person that posted the story um, is, is pretty active in the training community. And I, I, uh, I asked the question about it, you know, you knew her. So like we, we had a little exchange about her level of training and it was essentially known that she was not particularly well trained with that gun. So that's, I guess where I'm going with this story, Matthew is like the, the big takeaway here is, well, there's two, there's two big ones. Number one, just because we shoot somebody even fatally or what will be a fatal gunshot wound does not mean that they are immediately incapacitated uh, in all cases. I think I even shared with you and some of the guys on our team, a video of a woman that stabbed a police officer and was shot um, multiple times. And she continued moving about and continued presenting a threat, kept holding on to the knife that she had. So, and she was shot multiple times, presumably fatally. So just because you're shot or just because you shoot somebody doesn't mean that's going to be immediate incapacitation. So talking about full commitment, Matthew, and I don't know all the circumstances of this San Bernardino incident. I don't know how close he managed to get to her before she could shoot him or anything like that. But if you're going to commit, by golly, you got to commit and you got to sign, like you sign up for the deal, you sign up for the whole deal. And I, I kind of wonder if this was a, it, it could have been a couple of things. Number one, could have been that she fired multiple times and failed to hit her target except for once. And that failed to produce the immediate stoppage that that needed to happen. Number two could be that she only fired one shot and was unsure about firing more. Maybe was shocked. Maybe was scared. Maybe just was a little bit hesitant to fire more rounds and that bought enough time for her attacker to, to come after her and get her. Either way, I suspect training and also the level of commitment and, and that, that, that personal, uh, you know, mental fitness, if you will, to, to do the job necessary and stay in the fight all the way through. I, I think that those both were likely um, factors in this case. So, sorry, I, I kind of talked for a while there and probably stole some of your thunder, but. No, no. Um, it's a it's a tragic story, but one <laughs> no, with a yeah. lot of really important lessons and implications. Yeah, in in I think in I had I I didn't know the background that you knew, and I don't know any other than I mean, the the story is is literally about you know seven sentences long, so we don't know anything that happened outside of you know those seven sentences, um, but. Um, I think this is why I find it so important to understand like the physiology of, of, you know, gunshot wounds, the, the reality of them, right? Like, cause we see videos and we see people get shot one time and they drop like a, like a ton of bricks immediately. And, and if that's all you see, or if you, all you know of, you know, how the body reacts to gunshot wounds is a few videos like that, 
then there's a potential that you shoot once and then you expect that outcome. And when it doesn't happen, you may not immediately know to, you know, uh, 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 the next kind of uh, the next thing to do, right. You kind of freeze because you're not expecting that. Um, there's the flip side of that in saying, you know, I'm just going to mag dump into anybody at any time and I, you know, and that'll be justified and that may not be justified, right? Like it, they may drop after one shot and you continue to shoot 14 other shots while they're on the ground. And that might open you up to some sort of liability. So I think like analyzing these stories and really understanding them, not for like the shock value or whatever, but like understanding that like each incident is different and the incident that you have in your mind, how it's going to go down, how it's going to play out when you end up using your gun, that might not be how it's going to go. And so, you know, analyzing the what's in front of you, being able to think as you, as you're watching this play out. And, um, and I think the training aspect, you know, goes into, the the reason why we we do one of the reasons why we do target high center chests is that those are usually quick more quickly uh, able to stop a, an attack right and so we don't know how long it was between the shot that she fired and her being disarmed it could have been almost simultaneously it could have been 10 15 seconds and so we we don't really know, but we know that if we do set, you know hit high center chest, they're like the, the the attack is like more likely to end quicker, and that's what we want because we want to avoid situations like this where you know the person still can disarm you and take the gun and use it against you, and then you both end up dying. So I thought that this was really, I mean, you hit on all those those points, and I, I just thought that overall this was a really good um, kind of. Not a good story, but uh, something that we could extract a lot of useful information. Yeah. I know that occasionally we've been accused of like, um, what's the word? Surmising, you know, of, 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 uh, reading into things or put, put, yeah, there's, there's a word though. I'm, I'm missing, you know, speculating. There we go. That's mm. the word. <laughs> it's too big and fancy for my little <laughs> old brain. Uh, you know, kind of speculating about, you know, what may have happened in stories like this. Please keep in mind, we use these stories as inspiration for critical thinking to occur, to, to ask the questions and, and, and the what ifs, like, well, did this happen? Did that happen? What if this happened like it's it's food for thought for us to all think about and ponder that's really what these news stories are really about that's where the value therein lies okay we don't always get the best information with regards to these stories we don't get all the facts we know this we've talked about how that's the case we're getting snippets as reported in the media rarely do we get video that accompanies some of these incidents okay and I know some people like to see that stuff. Well, go go check out Active Self Protection YouTube channel, where John, our buddy John, there does a great job covering that stuff. That's his niche. Here we talk about the the other stuff that usually there's not video of, and we ask the what ifs, and it's it's a very good mental exercise to consider these things. Let's go to the next story. This next one is from WoodTV.com. 
that's a that's a doozy. Wood TV, W-O-O-D-TV.com. Apparently out of uh, Michigan, Grand Rapids, Holland, and Kalamazoo. Um, this story is out of Byron Township, Michigan. The and apparently that's Kent County. Homeowner who shot intruder had to do it is the headline of the story. Uh, this is a local Channel 8 uh, news, uh, M- NBC News affiliate. So, Matthew, tell us about this attempted home break-in. Yeah, so um, so basically this happens kind of a, a, a rural, more rural uh, re- residential type area. Um, but hubs, husband and wife are awakened in the middle of the night, uh, noises outside their home, looks out the window, sees somebody smashing the windows of the truck of his truck that's parked in the driveway. Um, he opens, goes downstairs, opens the front door and yells at the person to, uh, to get up, you know, get away, leave his property. Um, and the person, uh, starts coming towards the front door. Um, and they lock the door, close it. Um, and he, his wife calls 911. He grabs his deer hunting shotgun and loads it. Uh, he has, he has the, the amount of time to do that while he's doing that. Uh, the suspect who, uh, was just smashing the windows of his truck in the front yard moves around to the backyard and starts yelling at him to give him the keys, presumably to the truck. Um, and we later find out that this guy uh, was involved in a traffic collision uh, down the road, might have had a stolen vehicle, and was presumably trying to get a vehicle to to leave the area. Um, and he's, I, I believe, uh, this is a story where he was uh, actually a parolee uh, at large or a, a absconding parolee who who uh, didn't check in and, and things like that. So he's wanted by police, anyways. Um, Anyways, while he's in the backyard, he tries to force his way in through the back door, um, screaming, you know, give me the keys. Uh, the, the, the homeowner um, points his, rifle, his shotgun at the suspect who is able to partially breach the door. Um, and he's telling him, you know, get away. I have, a fu- I have a firearm or I have a shotgun pointed at you. Get away. Um, and at that, the suspect starts shooting a handgun at th- in at the the homeowner uh who's armed with the shotgun um he shoots the 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 uh homeowner isn't struck but he shoots um towards the suspect strikes him and uh suspect leaves um and is found uh dead by responding police uh a little ways away from the home um and I thought this was a good story. There's, there's a little bit more that there's an interview with the homeowner. He talks about, you know, that he's still shooken up. He didn't want to have to shoot the guy. He was, you know, doing everything he could to not shoot him. He told him, Hey, I have a, 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 you know, a gun on you leave. Um, but that wasn't persuasive enough for this guy to stop the, uh, the, you know, trying to get in. He actually tried to shoot him. Um, so it, you know, obviously a legal textbook self defense use of self defense. Uh, um, whether or not it was Castle Doctrine or not, it, w- it was a legal justified use of self defense. But um, if you have a chance to listen to the interview with the guy, he, he, it's it's good because I think 
you know, and I wrote a kind of a, a follow-up piece to this uh, content piece uh, on the on the concealedcarry.com site about um, just thinking about, you know, after this was obviously a justified use of defensive force to defend your family, your home, um, but what's after that, right? Like, it, it, there's the, is this home is riddled with bullets. There's a dead guy, you know, outside his door smashed up. Um, the trauma of, I mean, I think he lived in the house for, I think it was 20 years or 15, 28 years. Um, so, I mean, all of that, if you've ever been the victim of even just a burglary, right? Like you, your, your sense of security is, is, you know, is kind of taken away. And so, um, just kind of thinking about all these things and, not blaming this guy at all. Like I think he, he did everything he, he he could do to deescalate the situation. Once he went out and told the guy, Hey, get stop breaking the windows in my car. And he had every right to do that. I'm not, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying, um, you know, we have it, it, the outcome, even though it's a good outcome. Um, the guy's kind of left like, man, I, you know, I, he was kind of tearing up a little bit during the interview. And, and so just kind of the reality of surviving a deadly force encounter. Yeah. It's awesome that you're, you're, you're not dead and it's, you know, but there are still things that you have to deal with. And, and um, especially, you know, if, if the person's actually in your home and, 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 you know, you have to kill somebody in your own home, it's, it's a traumatic thing. And so we should be, kind of have that spiritual, um, I guess, fitness or, or understanding mm-hmm. of why we're using d- deadly force in, in, in that aspect of it that comes after the fact. Yeah, I think this gentleman showed uh, incredible amounts of restraint. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe almost, I don't know, it, we don't know how exactly how this played out in real time. We have his words. There's a pretty good interview, like you said, with him on camera talking about it. Um, but I think he showed a lot of, of restraint, maybe almost too much restraint to a point. I mean, once the bullets are already coming at you, that's, that's a problem, right? Uh, we'd rather be ahead of the curve in that respect, but he did a remarkable job. You know, he said he didn't want to do it. He talked about his religious, uh, nature and, uh, as a Christian man, not wanting to do it good on him for recognizing what he had to do. And then he was able to follow through and do it. I'll tell you this, this is a, this is a first for me in my recollection of somebody loading and using their deer hunting shotgun to take out an intruder with, uh, I'm sure that left a mark probably pretty effective. If you can hit reasonably center target. Yeah. It's probably left a pretty good mark. This unfortunately, I mean, and I do say unfortunately, cause I do not wish anybody to die, but uh, the suspect here did pass away uh, at the scene from his wounds or wound. It's probably one massive wound. Ouch. Um, now, here's the thing. The, the big things I, I took away from this story was, you know, he talked about how he and his wife heard the, the vehicle break-in taking place, windows being broken into the truck. They And he opened the door and he said, get out of here, right? And at that point, the suspect started coming towards them, started advancing towards them is the words he used. So we've cautioned so many times on the podcast about confronting uh, elements of crime occurring outside of our home when our home is our safe, protect, generally our safe, protected haven. uh, And and we'd prefer to keep it that way. But if you're going, if you're going to confront a criminal like this, this guy did it the right way. 
because he didn't go out there. He didn't go right out there, you know, and, and put himself in a vulnerable position. He opened the door. He called out to him, said, get the heck out of here. The guy started coming to him, and he said, we closed the door, and we locked it. Good on him. They handled that absolutely the right way, and I got to give him mad props for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was wise. That was smart. And at that point, that's when he he armed himself with the shotgun. I mean, might have been better if he was armed with it sooner or maybe if he had something staged that was more ready for use. But he, he did everything he could, and he did it pretty well. Um, this guy at that you now the unfortunate thing is by them confronting him, it, it seemed to maybe escalate it from that point forward because then the guy, his attention was turned towards them, turned towards trying to come into the home, turned towards trying to get the keys to the vehicle or whatever. And, and so maybe that might not have happened had they not confronted him. Um, but we don't know that for sure either way. So the point is, though, they, they, they did what was within their legal right to do so. They did it pretty smartly from a tactical perspective and a defensive one. And then when the guy gained entrance to the home, um, they responded with the, with lethal force against a lethal threat. Uh, as we know, again, the bullets were fired in both directions in this case. This man is fortunate, um, and I'm thankful for that and glad that he was able to come through uh, unscathed. So good on him. We have a, a, a comment from Christy on Facebook. She's an instructor up in Michigan. She says, we don't have castle doctrine. We have a re- Buttable presumption and no duty to retreat in this situation. They aren't even charging him. The the guy violently breached the door with a gun as well. So happy they are okay. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. And, and thanks for your comment, Christy. Let's go now to the next story. Uh, this one on WBRZ.com. WBRZ.com, an ABC Channel 2 affiliate. Uh, St. Rose, Louisiana. Sheriff says 21-year-old shot to death after pulling gun on his parents. So this was that uh, one of those other domestic situations that I, 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 re- I referenced earlier in the episode that is very unfortunate. And man, I, 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 I don't know for sure how I would handle a situation like this myself. Um, of course, circumstances are going to be important and relevant in, in any kind of situation like this. But what we have here is a uh, 21-year-old man who showed up at his parents' house with a gun and bulletproof vest that we know. Now, let's be clear. In the media, there's plenty of times things are uh, reported as being bulletproof vests when they're actually not. Uh, sometimes they're just tactical vests. Sometimes they are plate carriers but or, or, or armor carriers, but they're not actually filled with any armor. Um I just mentioned that. I'm not saying I'm not calling BS on this particular reporting, just saying that 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 is a reality that we see these types of things reported um, from time to time. And and we got to take it all with a grain of salt, but it is a relevant detail to a, to a situation like this. And I'll tell you uh, if I had to defend myself against somebody wearing a vest of some sort that might, might contain armor, particularly if I couldn't discern that one way or another, I'm, I'm likely assuming that it is, right? So that's a, that's an important thing to understand. But this man came to his parents' house armed with a gun and bulletproof vest. <clears throat> Apparently there was an argument that erupted between him and his mother in the home. The confrontation escalated, it said, after his father arrived. 
The sheriff's office said that the son then drew a handgun, prompting the father to pull out his own weapon and shoot. The 21-year-old, whose identity has not been released, died from his injuries. Unfortunately, according to the sheriff's office, the son had a history of unstable and violent behavior. He previously underwent med- mental health treatment. It, it seems that he he lived somewhere other than his parents' home. He's obviously an, of an adult age, including federally, you know, handgun legal owning age, 21 years old, uh, had a, a history, you know, mental health history here, unstable, violent behavior in the past. Perhaps he was prohibited from being able to own or possess firearms. Don't know for sure one way or another here. Seems like that might be likely. Um, my, my, my point there is that when we, when we know somebody is in an unstable mental place, particularly with a t- tendency to violence, like, we need to take action where possible to, uh, um, you know, get them the help they need and to get them the treatment they need and to, um, you know, where possible, remove guns from them. Okay. And I'm not talking about red flag laws here. I'm talking about, you know, as a parent or as a family member or as a friend, even if you know somebody that's going through a mental episode, uh, you, you can always, now this situation may be, I'm not saying this applies to the situation at all, but, it's not a bad idea to volunteer yourself at least to, Hey, you know, I know you're going through some stuff right now. Um, can I help you out? What can I do for you? Um, can I take care of your guns for you? That kind of thing. Um, be open to having those conversations. All right. The work that organizations like walk to talk America is doing, uh, very, very excellent stuff. And then there needs to be more of that. There needs to be more mental health conversation, going on in this industry and by the industry i mean in amongst us gun owning second amendment believing self-defense minded folk okay Mm. but this is man this is this is a tough one you know like could i kill my own child and we've covered some other stories that are similar to this and i have and i know of one personally firsthand where someone had to do that um here in the Colorado front range area a number of years ago. And uh, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, meaning in that situation, it was actually the opposite way. It was a son having to kill his father, his violent father. But uh, I don't know, but situationally dependent for sure. You know, if other people are present, other people are um, in, at risk or being threatened, you know, that certainly plays into it. You know, there, there's this part of me that's like, you know what, son, I love you. Like I'd give my life for you point is we got to take everything into context and so uh, it just breaks my heart to read stuff like this it's obviously someone that needed help and unfortunately didn't get the help he needed so i had to come to a head here with a very very violent end that unfortunately is probably going to be rather traumatic for the rest of these parents lives yeah yeah and and um you know i and i'm not so I'm going to point out one thing in this story, and it's not because I think that this person did anything wrong, and I'm, I'll, I'll repeat it. I don't, I'm not using yep. this as a, as a reason that this person did anything wrong. But sometimes when we read stuff like this, we can gla- gloss over a statement. And the statement I, I thought that, that jumped out to me when I first read this was, uh, Deputy say the confrontation escalated after his father arrived. And so I paused at that and I said, okay. Like, was there, and I'm not saying that there is, so anybody who's just tuning in now, I'm not saying that there is, but was there a possibility 
to de-escalate the situation instead of escalating, right? Or and so yeah. this is just kind of dovetails into a conversation I know we were having like uh for the uh Guardian uh Guardian Live uh you know uh video that we're we're talking about the importance of de-escalation and and how you know yes he might have done everything correctly. I'm not saying that he didn't, but how much better would it have been if there was the opportunity or there could have been a de-escalation instead of escalation um, when the, when the father arrived. And, and that's just in, in any situation, I'm not saying this specifically, I'm just saying in any situation, if there's a possibility for us to de-escalate. And so um, it, it makes sense for us to take that into consideration anytime that we have, especially if we have a family member who is prone to violence or, or mental, you know, problems and, and there's been an ongoing, you know, issues going on. What are our, you know, you, you talk with your family, what are our protocols if this person arrives at our house and starts doing this right like in in, in paying attention to um or or trying to learn how to de-escalate what are some things that you can do and i'm not saying any of those would have worked in this situation i'm just saying it makes me think you know how much more important it, it would be you know you 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 kind of hit it on the head riley when you're saying like i would talk you know i'm t- telling my son i do anything i die for you um those are all sort of de-escalation, you know, if you're having that conversation. And, and so, um, again, not saying that he didn't do that. I'm just saying, um, that when, when I saw that, that kind of popped out at me. Yeah. Yeah. We, let me, let me touch on one more thing here. And this is, this is tough. Um, this incident could have gone one of a couple of ways. Okay. Uh, we know how it ended here in the father shooting the son. And uh, uh, likely saving the father's life, and perhaps, and likely his wife's life as well, the mother's life. Sure. Um, had he not done that, what might have happened? It's it's entirely possible this would have turned into a murder suicide. Okay, and that would be unfortunate. Okay, um, it's also possible that the son may have killed his parents and then went on to continue to commit other violent acts, uh, including murders of other people. We've certainly have seen, you know, this is an, if this is truly an unstable person, which appears to be the case, uh, that could happen. Now, here's the thing. We cannot make uh, uh, deadly force, you know, justify deadly force decisions based off of what we think might be a possibility of happening down the road. Okay, that that's not how it works. Uh, justified deadly force almost always has an element of imminence tied in. Okay, that means a threat in the moment, right here, right now, in this place, not something we think might happen down the road. Okay, so that's important to recognize. So I only add that ele- that element though, um, just as as a food for thought. It's like, well, I ha- I ask myself the question, like with respect to wrapping my head around taking my son's life. Okay. In defense. Um, on the one hand, it's like, you know what? I'll give my life. And like, so be it. At the same time, like there's justification here to use deadly force. Um, and maybe by doing so, it actually prevented something way worse from happening later. 
I'm not saying the justification. See, the, there, there's a distinction there that the justification already exists in this imminent event. Um, and by him, the father acting, it may have prevented something else from occurring. So something else to, to think about. I don't know. Absolutely. It's a crazy, unfortunate, terrible story. Let's go to Houston now. Uh, why don't you tell us about this wild incident involving multiple intruders armed. They're, each one of them are armed with guns. This happened in Houston. Uh, this is reported on ABC13.com. Home invasion sparks gunfight with suspects at Southwest Houston apartment. Yeah. So this happened around 1230 in the morning on March 18th, uh, 8200 block of West Belfort in Houston. And uh, like you said, in an apartment uh, and a ring camera and an indoor camera catch uh, much of this. So what we have happening is it appears as though uh, I think at least four or five suspects uh, armed um, it, it's, it appears as though at least some of them have some ARs and, and long guns and maybe some handguns as well. Um, but they are, they breach this front door with, I believe maybe one or two kicks. Um, the first kick is unsuccessful, but it does enough damage where the second follow-up kick, uh, breaches the door, opens the door. Um, I think, uh, it's kind of hard because you see one one view and then you see the other, but it looks like one, like two kicks. Anyways, uh, as soon as the the door is it, it opens, um, you can hear on the ring camera that they say like HPD trying to say that they were um, uh, Houston Police Department. Now, while this is going on, the homeowner or the apartment home oh, the apartment owner, um, you can see an inside camera, and he comes around the corner. So, presumably out, out of his bedroom around a corner where the, where it would open up into the front door area um, of the apartment. And you can see him kind of closing the distance. I believe the video uh, he, he actually hears the, the kicking before they breach the door and he's, he's coming around the corner. Um, he has a firearm held out in his hand, one handed kind of holding it out. And, um, and when the door breaches, he fires, I believe, one shot. I, I, I don't I don't know. There's no sound, but it looks like one shot and kind of retreats around the corner. Um, these guys eventually even come in, for, you know, that initially stops them, but they continue to come in. And I don't know if he fires another round down the hallway from his bedroom, but these guys kind of come around the corner um, where, where it would kind of intersect with the hallway from the, from his bedroom. Um, and then they, you see two of them kind of retreat back. So I'm presuming maybe another shot was fired. Um, it doesn't say how many rounds were fired. Nobody uh, apparently was hit or injured, even in an apartment complex with bullets flying different directions. It, it, it doesn't appear that anybody, you know, in adjacent apartments, up where stairs, downstairs, left and right or anything uh, were struck. Uh, thankfully, you know, the backdrop of this person, the apartment door, the, the front door to this apartment uh, kind of uh, isn't, you know, right across from another apartment. That might have changed things, um, but presumably rounds were firing, you know, were flying out into the unknown. Um, so just a, a, it's a kind of a wild little story um, that was caught on video and you see kind of two different 
two different videos catch, uh, you know, two different angles and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of let you kind of jump in there and, and, you know, what you saw Riley. Yeah. The first thing that really was notable was the fact that these, uh, men, uh, claimed they were with, uh, the police department as they entered the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the apartment. Uh, they, they called out HPD, HPD, uh, as they went in. Okay. Um, this is where I think number one, we need, we need to be aware of that as being, and it's not the first time this tactic has been used by home intruders. Um, <clears throat> so we need to give that some thought. Secondly, this is also where I think police departments need to get, uh, wiser and smarter than their own tactics with, especially where with respects to, uh, to warrant service and especially no knocks. And I know no, no knocks are a, uh, controversial subject amongst a lot of folks. Uh, I am of the opinion there's a place for them, but I think that, uh, there needs to be some really sound policy, uh, implemented with a lot of, um, safeguards put in place to ensure that no knocks are uh, not abused, not taken advantage of, and that they, when they are executed, that they're done um, very, very well. Okay. Um, Meaning like one of the biggest problems we've had with no knocks is police, you know, officers hitting the wrong house. Like that's, that's a problem. That's where you have them coming in through your door. You're, you're the innocent neighbor. And then it's really the, people next door they meant to hit and you've got hpd hpd being yelled as someone breaks into your house like to my knowledge i'm not doing anything right now that would expect a visit from the police like that (laughs) so i'm gonna assume that they are probably pretending to be cops right that they're like these guys okay that could be a problem if, uh, you know, so that's where I say, I think stories like this, I, I hope Houston PD, you know, s- sees this incident and goes, Hmm, we need to, you know, this is a tactic and we need to take this under invi- advisement as far as how we are, uh, conducting warrant, uh, services. Um, the other thing here is I, I, I estimated about three and a half seconds from the first kick to the second kick. So there it was no no it wasn't really a kick. It was uh it was a kick and then and then two strikes with the shoulder on the door before it gave way. Okay. It's about three and a half seconds. That's not a lot of time. So um I would suggest you you know a lot of times we we don't have the option of beefing up security of property we don't own. You know, per, in a permanent fashion, meaning I don't have the option, perhaps, in in installing my choice of locks, my choice of, of deadbolts, uh, whatever that might be, to my apartment door. Okay? But there are some other alternatives, some aftermarket products, various wedges, uh, brace kits, things that are non-permanent and non-damaging to property that you can buy online that you can use as additional security for things like your doors and especially for your apartment doors. So give that some thought because that would have certainly bought this man some more time. There was not a lot of time for him to respond and react to this very, very deadly threat. 
Okay. Finally, he goes out. He goes to the door. And what I believe we're seeing there for a few seconds is he actually ends up coming face to face with these guys through the doorway. That's not maybe the, the best way of, of handling that, that kind of situation. Uh, and, and, and I get that maybe not everybody listens to this podcast and maybe not everybody has the, uh, perspective that, you know, of what, of how some of these break-ins go and that we're seeing a lot of these examples where there's multiple, uh, uh, uh offenders and that they're carrying guns. Sometimes in this case, we had two guys with handguns, two guys with carbines. That's a losing gunfight in many cases. If you're going to them and facing off with them through your doorway or something, or even in your living room like that, you want to have a plan in place of where you can take up cover and gives you the advantage where it forces them to come to you and forces them into a fatal funnel of some kind, if possible. Okay. That stacks the odds in your favor in a much bigger way. And then finally, you've got, like, we can't do much about these guys shooting rounds at you and, and putting rounds into your neighbor's walls, okay, in an apartment like this. But you've got to be very accountable for the rounds you fire, if any are fired. So those are the lessons I took away from this story. Agreed. Agreed, man. Good points. Philadelphia, CBS3 um, reports. Dollar General manager shoots, kills, attempted robber inside North Philadelphia store. Uh, this happened uh, uh, just about a week or uh, almost two weeks ago now. It said here, a store manager turned the tables on would-be thief. Uh, a gentleman came into the store to rob it. Initially, it doesn't sound like he presented a weapon. Uh, he went to one of the store clerks and uh, asked her to open a register. Uh, she recognized what was occurring and she signaled to the manager. The manager came in, stepped in, tried to speak with the would-be robber, but that's when the situation escalated, it says. At that point, the robber said he had a gun and demanded money. The manager then pulled out his own gun and fired two shots. Now, this is where reporting gets kind of wonky sometimes, right? Because it it tells us in one sentence, he said he had a gun. Now, I might very well choose to believe that, and I might have a reason to do so. I might have just uh, uh, articulable reasoning of, well, he said it as he was poking something through his shirt or jacket or whatever, like, and I, whatever. But it then tells us how, uh, in another part of the article, how he had some kind of simulated gun. And then another part says it was a shape of a gun and it was covered in plastic. Um, either way, it seems that the manager read this for what it was, viewed this as a, as a, as a, lethal threat. Now, in some states, too, uh, the commission of a robbery itself may be justification enough to use uh, deadly force. Check the the local and state laws of of where you live. But in this case, it appears we had a gun, or at least believed to be gun. It turns out it may have been a fake gun. Doesn't really matter, right? Um, And the manager pulled his own gun, firing two shots, one of which at least hit the suspect in the head. He died at the scene. Bravo, bravo, Mr. Mm. Do- Dollar, Dollar General Store Manager. Um, that's uh, that's that's pretty phenomenal. I mean, because it, it, it appears that at least we started, we, we went from, oh, hey, appears like there's a robbery. Let's try to, you know, let's let's talk this guy down. You know, let's 
use our words, essentially our verbal judo, but then it escalated, went to now we've got lethal threats. I've got a gun. The man starts drawing a gun, pulling a gun, indicating he has a gun, whatever it is. And the rest is history. So, uh, I got to applaud this, this store manager and like, good, good for actually doesn't say, I don't think if it's a he or she, um, but, um, he or she good job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't have anything to add other, you know, other than most of the time, um, you know, we don't have simulated weapons or actual weapons or, you know, so, um, it's one of those things where, you know, if it's, if it's obvious that it's uh, somebody's finger and they're saying, I'm going to shoot you, right? Like that's not a simulated weapon, right? It, in this case, it seems like, the person had something inside a bag or was purposely obscuring it. So they wouldn't see that potentially wasn't a firearm, but we're using it in every other mannerism and, and, and threatening um, an indication that it was a firearm and that they were intending to use it. So I think um, that's the distinction here. And I, I think that, like you said, it was awesome yeah. discernment and, 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 and you know, um, restraint. And, and when the time came, they, they responded appropriately. So. Let me just say something here too that unrelated to this incident, but I noticed at the bottom of the article there's a, a a sentence with a link that says for a list of gun violence resources in Philadelphia, click here. And I, I clicked because I thought, well, I wonder what this is about. Uh not sure if this would be anything to do anti-gun or you know, anything like that. I mean, when I when I hear the words gun violence, I that's a very um that, that's a terminology that's been popularized by the anti-gun side. Um, but I got to give CBS3 in Philly here some mad props because you click on that link and it lists out all of the relevant victim services numbers for all the different parts and jurisdictions of the city. It lists out for survivors and their loved ones. A bunch of different numbers and of different organizations, nonprofits, et cetera, where you can reach out and get help. For families, including families of murder victims, bam, more numbers. For kids, great, more resources there. For resources around suicide, several options there. And then for resources around domestic and in- intimate partner violence, a number of numbers and links and things uh, listed out there. So, uh, and then it says at the bottom, this list was originally compiled for public use by WHYY's Billy Penn. Uh, bravo. Seriously. Like I've never seen that on a news website before, at least like that and attached to a story like this. I mean, this is a, a story involving justified use of deadly force in defense. It's successful, like good on them. But then, boom, here's some resources. If you're impacted by murder, by violence, if you're a victim, if you're a survivor of violence, a victim of violence, whatever, bam, like that is cool. So, yeah, very bad props. Cool. Just wanted to, I just wanted to point that out. Last story. Um, police, woman with three children kills ex-boyfriend who broke into her home. This on 8newsnow.com. This is out of Las Vegas. You want to tell us about it, Matthew? Do you want me to take this one? <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> so uh, this is you left the, the the sad one for me. All right. So okay. <laughs> um, so so uh, basically, this is another domestic violence incident similar to the one where uh, we had the two the the ex boyfriend and the uh, girlfriend uh, who both end up dying. This is a little bit different, um, but the ex boyfriend comes to the uh, the, the house. Um, it tries to break into the home. Uh, and the, the ex-girlfriend is there with her, uh, uh, boyfriend and, uh, and I believe she, uh, I believe she has a child there, but yes, uh, three, small three children. children, three children. So there's three children and her new boyfriend. Um, she produces a, a, a firearm, uh, doesn't shoot the, the, the ex-boyfriend, but he leaves. Uh, presumably goes out to his vehicle, gets a gun, and then comes back into the house, points the gun at the new boyfriend's uh, head, and the ex-girlfriend um, ends the threat uh, quickly, and uh, nobody else besides the ex-boyfriend is shot, and nobody else dies other than um, the person who uh, broke in the ex-boyfriend. So this this is a little bit of a different story uh, conclusion to a similar story. Um, the only thing, and I'll give you, I'll, I'll hand it over to you for like all the tactics and points to 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 pick out. My only thing is is oftentimes you hear in the media and anti-gun people will say, well, you know, guns are, are usually used in domestic incidents against, you know, another person that the, that the, you know, the victim knew. So kind of saying that um, it's not just a bump in the night from a random stranger. And certainly there are many of those and we've covered several of them, but we've also covered known acquaintances of ex-boyfriends and exes, you know, even a, a son. Um, and so that is one of the the red herrings or the straw man that, that anti-gun people use to try to say that guns aren't really used in defense because they're used against people that supposedly would not have been, you know, you wouldn't have had to use deadly force because they were an acquaintance. That's kind of the yeah. the perception with that, with that line of thinking. So um, just when, when you start s- talking to somebody and they start bringing that up, remember that that's kind of, they're trying to discount situations like the three that we've talked about in this, in this incident where um, the, the victim knew the suspect and probably would have died had they not used a firearm. I, I thought this was a phenomenal story. Uh, terrible, again, because of the domestic violence piece of it. Uh, and the fact that this ex-boyfriend sees fit to come in and harm this woman and her family uh, and her now current boyfriend. Um, but phenomenal in that she, she she's the one. I mean, like her boyfriend should be like, he should be super proud of her. Mm-hmm. Right, like this is this is just remarkable. She's the one that's armed with a handgun when the man comes into the home. Somehow, it's her boyfriend that's taken hostage by the ex-boyfriend. What's up with that? <laughs> just it just just this is just really really interesting. You know how this all developed. The fact that the uh, ex-boyfriend initially came in, she she said, "Hey, look, I got a gun. Like you better get out." He gets out, but then he comes back in with the. You know, he clearly went got his own gun, then came back in. Like the intent there is clear. It is not good. 
and he manages to take her boyfriend hostage and she shoots the ex-boyfriend while he's got her boyfriend held hostage. That is just, I mean, that is just, that is a critical, critical moment. That's a critical shot. I mean, as we read the article, it says here, I mean, get this. Once he entered the residence, this is when the ex-boyfriend comes back in. The male put the gun to the boyfriend's head that was inside the house. At that point, the woman who lived inside the house fired one round, striking and killing the ex-boyfriend. I mean, it had to have been a headshot. I mean, as I read that, Mm -hmm. like she fires one time, strikes and kills him and prevents him from killing her boyfriend who has a gun to his head. That is just awesome. I mean, it's a terrible story, but like, wow, like bravo. Like this is what it's about as far as that the personal first response, like you are your own first responder business. Like this woman saved herself, saved her boyfriend, saved her, her whole family Mm -hmm. with a critical must make shot. I'd love to know more about her. I'd love to know more about her background, maybe even her training level. Like, is this something that she was prepared to do? Is it something that she was confident in being able to do that her, that her level of skill, her level of training suggested to herself, gave her confidence that she could do this? Or did she just like, like, I just got to go for it. Like got no other options here. I don't know, but that's remarkable. Mm -hmm. It's not very often we see real life hostage situations um, that are resolved like this by citizens. Yeah. We see a few with uh, law enforcement, but, but this is a very unique situation. So, uh, um, yeah, I mean, do we have to practice specifically the, the idea, the concept of needing, you know, of having a hostage taker and needing to place that well-aimed shot into the head of the hostage taker? I don't know. But what I can tell you is practicing your skills to a higher level than maybe what you think you need. Uh, being able to make shots with a high degree of precision, those are good skills to have. Um, validating those skills in things like even competitive shooting is not a bad idea because it's very common we see no-shoot targets placed over top where they're covering most of the, t- the target we're trying to shoot. And, and that's a great test of skill to make those those critical type shots. I'm not trying to equate that with the real life thing, but that it is good, relevant, uh, validatable, if that's a word, uh, training. I think it's awesome. So, bravo, well done, excellent story. Glad to end on that note because it, it ends happy, at least as far as the people that should have walked away did. Okay. And then that's the way we wanted to go. Right on. This brings us to a conclusion of today's episode. We appreciate you guys for uh, being along for the ride. Hope you got something out of, out of today's justified safe stories. Uh, and that, uh, you know, you, you go forward from here and have some things to think about and ponder and consider. And hopefully it also encourages you to get out and practice and train a little bit more. Okay. I'm always trying to push my, my skills to the next level. Because uh, I feel like if I'm, as long as I'm moving forward, I'm not moving backward. Skills do perish. Skills do degrade and deteriorate. So I'm always trying to push forward. Yeah, is my current skill level probably more than what is needed for the average person? Yeah, in in like ninety nine percent of situations, probably. 
as far as my my shooting ability. But always trying to move forward, trying to do more, trying to get a little bit better. Before I let you go, today's episode, uh, giveaway winners. We want to announce those folks. Uh, each week we do the giveaway. You can sign up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Matthew uh, oversees that. And uh, and this week we're giving away what? We're giving away that Pitbull Universal Magazine Carrier. Awesome. Yeah. So we got a Pitbull Mag Carrier giving away. So one lucky winner will be announced here momentarily. But what are we giving away in next week's giveaway? Did he fall asleep? The next... Oh. <laughs> I think thank you for like for us for a second. Um, the next prize we're giving away is a two A Defender T shirt from the ConcealedCarry.com apparel store. Cool. <laughs> All right, so the two A Defender T shirt. I uh, imagine that when the winner for that one is picked, that you'll be contacted by Matthew and you'll be asked for your size and all that. Okay. Um, speaking of which, this week's winner. Uh, will also be contacted and given an opportunity to re- reply and claim his prize, the Pitbull Mag Carrier. So who is our lucky winner? The lucky winner is Edwin E. Last name starts with an E as in Edwin. So Edwin E. Congratulations. Yeah. And if Edwin goes by Ed and his last name starts with E, he's just Ed E. Ed E. Hey. Congrats, Ed E. Um. Yeah, so we'll get you that Pitbull Mag Carrier as soon as we hear back from you and you claim your prize. Folks, sign up again, concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. One final shout out to today's episode sponsor, CCW Safe. Again, you can find out more about them, learn more about their services at ccwsafe.com. And also our other sponsor today, Mountain City Supply, mountaincitysupply.com. That'll get you to their site. And uh, buy some some ammo. I'll tell you what, guys, ammo is hard. I mean, it it has gotten a little bit easier, um, but it it is still kind of scarce, and prices are still higher than what we'd like them to be. Mount City Supply prides themselves on making quality product at a very affordable, very competitive price, and it's made right here in the USA. So you got that they got that going for them. So uh, check them out, MountainCitySupply.com. We're going to let you go, guys, till next time we bid you adieu. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.